Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat, pre-holiday edition, or we can just call it the holiday edition here on uh, Christmas Wednesday. What do you want to call this, Brennan? Is this uh, Christmas Eve Chris- Eve, I yes, believe? I think that is the technical That's term. the uh, old term for it. I yeah. don't know if there's a more formal term for it. I'm not real good on that sort of thing, as you know, but uh, <laughs> we'll call it December 23rd. <laughs> Uh, holiday season here in full bloom. You're just not good at holidays, period. You're not yeah, good at merriment. Uh, no. You're not or good at knowing what anything is supposed to be called uh, or, you know, standard operating procedure on a lot of that stuff. I just don't care. <laughs> so that's just how I well, you're having yourself like a quiet little holiday. I mean, are you going out and getting some shopping done and <laughs> wrapping presents? Oh, yeah. We're and... just, we're just, we got nothing but dead time around here uh, these days <laughs> as uh, these football teams are just not, ex- not in complete chaos at all times, but. We'll get into that today. I'm, of course, Nick Bumgarner here, joined by Brennan Quinn. Uh, original lineup day. We've got a mailbag episode. Brennan, how uh, how's things going? Things are great. You know, I'm I'm just churning along over here, just wa- enjoying the show, watching watching you guys. Why is football. this always how it goes? You're just over there enjoying the show, and then the football <laughs> situation is always just like complete chaos. I saw on Twitter yesterday somebody was like, and we'll talk about Don Brown in a minute. I can't remember who it was, or I would give him a shout-out, but it's like a Twitter, you know, it's a Michigan Twitter person or somebody. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, they were like, I really missed coaching search season. I'm thankful that we have another one so I can read all this stuff, because, you know, a lot of fans like this stuff. Sure. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm like, you missed it. Like, Michigan has, like, four of these a year. Like, it seems like they have, like, four assistants who are gone, Uh or someone else who's gone. There's been four different offensive coordinators. The basketball search in there, like, I I mean, we have a lot around these parts. We have a lot around these parts. I will say this week, just like usual, underlines the fact that I say over and over and over again, and eventually everyone will agree, that basketball is just infinitely better than football. It's definitely more relaxed. Always possible. It's a, like... You know, the NCAA tournament, the entire premise of how you crown a champion as opposed to just picking out the same names out of a hat every year and a team yeah. going undefeated and not even having a chance right, to try to win a national championship in the sport that it's playing. Uh, it's definitely less political. And I mm-hmm. believe I would argue that emotional decisions seem to get made at a lesser frequency in college basketball than they do in football. Is that accurate, do you think? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Because I feel like that's what ends up happening. We we get into these situations with these teams and you see them just sort of like, and you're like, what are you doing? Hey, well, how are you in another hornet's nest? How are you yeah. in another huge mess? Yeah. And oftentimes it's like, yeah, well, you guys let that get out of control. That's your own fault. But either and way. Now, granted, you know, I mean, basketball certainly has its issues. Yeah, it has its moments. but A big yeah. one right now being whether they should actually be playing. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't soon. think that's going uh, anywhere. Anyway, no. We do have uh, quite a few questions today. We do. Um, Readers showed out for the holiday. Everyone was in the, the spirit of giving. We got some good random ones. Uh, a lot of familiar faces, a lot of familiar names. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get into it. I think I know what we're going to talk about off the top here, though. Yeah, you want to start with uh, this one from Craig here? Mm-hmm. Craig F.? Uh, this was actually asked before uh, the news actually came out yesterday, even though it was pretty much expected. Uh, Craig yeah. says this defense, Michigan's defense is such a mess. So if Don Brown is let go, uh, who replaces him? And so obviously yesterday, or Tuesday anyway, around, uh, I, don't know, I don't know, early afternoon, whatever it was. I have no idea what time, <laughs> what time I can't remember now. 
Uh, Don Brown was uh, formally or news broke anyway that he was let go uh, by Michigan in a move that doesn't really surprise anyone or shouldn't have surprised anyone, as we've reported for weeks and others have too, that, you know, change on the staff was likely, um, if not probable or guaranteed almost to a degree that it was going to happen. Notably on the defensive side, as things really had collapsed there and sort of piled up, and Don Brown's the first one to go, not a surprise. I would expect more uh, departures on the defensive staff, maybe even some on the offensive staff. Uh, as part of Jim Harbaugh's, you know, he first met with, um, not first met, but they reconvened for their year-end meeting meetings uh, late last week, and it was discussed during that meeting amongst many, many other things uh, that Harbaugh was going to start getting into staffing decisions here uh, as early as late last week. And obviously we see Don Brown's the first to go. But that also, Brendan, sort of signifies something that a lot of people have been asking about. And uh, we can get to Don Brown in a second, but I feel like yeah. you can't talk about this until you talk about the Harbaugh situation. The door is open. Yeah, that like, you know, by him firing a guy... <laughs> Would would mean you know, or at least logic would have it that right. that means he's operating with the intent that he's going to be here, which is again what he has expressed, and you know, really, you know, I've talked to people in the last couple of days. That seems to be the prevailing um, sentiment that it's. I don't know if I would say it's a guarantee, but it seems more likely that he is going to sign something. Mm-hmm. Um, Hasn't signed it, though, to my knowledge, unless he has this morning or late last night. Um, and I don't know if they're, you know, and that's the thing. I don't know when or how close they are in an agreement or whatever, but it does seem that they're at least operating moving forward as if he's going to be here. I, I believe he's discovered that his NFL market is not, um, it is not what, you know, it's not ideal. I'll set hmm. out for you. It's not ideal. Uh, I also think on Michigan's end, you know, they're looking at, a lot of things as we've talked about throughout this offseason about do you want to do a coaching search in a pandemic, everything else. It seems that they're operating with the sort of plan to, you know, gather this back up, get some staff changes under Harbaugh and see if he can get this thing fixed uh, on a shorter extension or a couple more years added on, three years, whatever it is. And I guess we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's a weird deal. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a really weird and it makes no sense at all um, that you would – Go through signing day with mm-hmm. your head coach in a contract situation that he hasn't resolved. And then a handful of days after signing day, you fire your defensive coordinator who you pretty much knew that you were going to fire anyway, but you didn't do it until after signing day. Even though you've kind of told recruits that maybe this could happen, maybe it wouldn't. I mean, what the hell yeah. are you doing? <laughs> I mean, at this point, the jumbling of all this in terms of – I mean, I get all the decisions. Right. They all make sense. But like the the just the the scheduling or whatever of this, I guess, and I know that it's a COVID year, and we're we're in a bit of a mess. But like this, it makes no sense <laughs> again. But right. I guess it does, and it's done, and on it goes. So that is that is that part of it. So a lot to unpack. I'm literally writing down follow up questions as you've okay. just been ranting. Um, yeah. So you, something that jumped out was you saying that uh, the NFL market might not have been. What Harbaugh yeah. presumed it to be, or what his well, I don't know if I would say that it, to it be. Just hasn't happened. Yeah. Right. What What do you think? Like, if this played out to the end of the NFL season, and he did not, or obviously, because if he signed something with Michigan, that's off the table, right? 
he will not be going to the NFL, and no well, NFL team will probably even I would, approach I mean, him. Jim Harbaugh, yeah, probably. Um, right? That's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, if, if so, Jim Harbaugh signs a contract, yeah, right. So in a hypothetical, if he didn't sign a contract right now and it got to the end of the NFL season when that carousel gets going, do you think he sure. would get a offer? Well, I think it would all depend on um, how many jobs are open, uh, you know. I mean, what's the average every year in the NFL? Like well, let me, seven, let me tell you this, though. Right? So, yeah, it's somewhere in there, but you never know how many it ends up being. And I would also say that, you know, the clock on the NFL just actually released this yesterday or maybe the day before. They're going to allow teams to start interviewing people on current teams early this year. Um which normally doesn't happen, normally you have to wait. So those processes for the teams that are already open mm-hmm. are going to start ramping up here. And you could see some people have jobs filled even, I mean, in theory, before you know the year's over um, or the season's over. And so that would actually maybe even shrink the job pool after the season is over. And yeah, I mean, like, is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Is it likely? No. What I would say is impossible probably would be him having his pick of jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he did the last time. And you got to remember now, Jim Harbaugh, every time he's left a job, it's been to pick between a bunch of options, including a raise at his current job. This is not that. This is something completely different that he's never really had to experience. This is probably the closest thing to the end of his playing career um, when mm-hmm. he was, you know, he'd, he was older. He was still trying to hang on. I don't know if you ever remember this story, but Matt Millen used to tell a story at um, Big Ten Media Days, or at least he did one year anyway, about how... You remember Millen was always on the – he still does Big Ten games, so he yeah. come to media yeah. And he talked about one year about how, um, you know, at the when he was at the Lions, uh, Harbaugh had come in for a tryout or whatever it was at the end, maybe in a camp, and he was like 37, 38. It might have been his, la- his last run, and, you know, they cut him in camp. And, you know, Millen brought him in and cut him, and uh, Harbaugh, like, lost it. and was just like, this is a huge mistake. You're making a huge mistake. This is a – you know, you'll regret this mm-hmm. hanging on, right? Just, like, doesn't know what else – you know, like just that's how he was reacting. And he hadn't been in situations where there was no, you know, he didn't know where to go or whatever. There was no options. So he had to, you know, make some decisions and obviously transition to coaching. This is what this feels like to me. There's mm. not a lot of options. It's not it's not like leaving San Francisco and having Mark Davis be like, I'll give you twelve million dollars in equity in the franchise, or uh Stephen Ross saying the same thing, right? Like, this isn't that. Right. So for a guy who has had trouble working with another GM in the past. Um, not to say that it would be like that everywhere he went, but like we know how authority and Jim Harbaugh kind of works. Not having his pick of a job doesn't seem as ideal as maybe staying in this situation where he would have more control over everything he does. Although I would also say this, that as t- things go forward, I would expect Ward Manuel to have a little firmer hand on the steering wheel in terms mm-hmm. of what is happening inside the football program, who gets hired, who gets fired, who gets paid what and what decisions are made. I would expect that to be a little more, I don't know what I would, you know, oversight. I don't know what you'd call it, but you know this, that didn't exist right. the first couple of years he was here. Zero. It was right. do whatever you want and we'll okay it. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's completely 100% the case anymore moving forward or it will be. And I don't think it needs to be either. I think that there should be more oversight and I think that's probably what you'll see. So if they're going to make overhaul level changes on the coaching staff, right? This, uh, this is one of the, the kind of big questions I've been trying to wrap my head around a little bit. Yep. If they're trying to, you know, overhaul things, okay, change the identity, change this, change that, blah, 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 kind of restart the clock, if you will, right? Uh, I, mean, um, I mean, I guess. You know, 
with a three-year extension attached to it. Like, what does success look like at this point under Harbaugh? Like, what are you are – you, are you reinvesting these three years because you still yeah. want Jim Harbaugh to be basically coach for life, which was the talk around here, what, four years ago, right? Or, or is it just trying to wring out any level of success that you can get out of this guy yeah. and this, this what has somehow been a totally unexpected failed experiment? Yeah, I think that really I shouldn't what you're say talking like about, failed, failed, but you know yeah, what I mean. it's, it's not what yeah, anyone yeah, thought I, it was going to be. I think really what you're talking about is what is going to have to happen so that we're not sitting back here on exactly. December 23rd, 2021, talking about the exact same thing. <laughs> exactly. And that's very possible and very real and something that has been, I think, at top of mind within those negotiations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that a little bit in terms of, you know, if you're Harbaugh, you're saying, you know, I'm if you're telling them I want to be here, but, you know, whatever extension you're giving me with less buyout, less money and an easy out next year if we suck and I just get fired, that doesn't exactly solve any long-term problems either. Right. So, you know what I mean? So, you know, fair point on both sides of that. But no, I mean, I think what it'll take is, you know, he'll have to get the recruiting situation repaired in short order. Uh, And in doing that, you know, and the original question was, who do you go after? And I would say every hire you make for the rest of this cycle would have to be recruiting is going to have to be at top of mind. It thousand percent. Thousand percent. It can't be you're taking a guy for certain job. You've got two candidates. One's a great teacher and not a great recruiter, and one's a you know a great recruiter and maybe an average teacher. You're taking the recruiter. You have mm-hmm. to at this point. Maybe not for every job, but like you know this defensive coordinator job coming up here, the guy's got to be able to recruit. He has to be able to recruit in any home, anywhere in the country. Walk in, be someone who can engage. I'm not saying Don Brown could couldn't do that, right? But it wasn't his strong suit. His strong suit was football. And to the people out there that believe that he's a shitty football coach or doesn't know what he's doing, that is completely false in mm-hmm. every in every way. You will not find a football coach that knows anything about football that will tell you Don Brown is a bad football coach. Not true. Is he the best recruiter? No. Is he a good evaluator of talent? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening with that was is he oftentimes would bring in guys who were like project players who, you know, it would take two or three years to get to where they were ready to play. You would just wouldn't get the max out of them, and you just need more guys that are ready earlier, all that. So you need a guy who can come in and compete for those type of guys, guys that you can sign out of high school. They can come into your program right away and make some kind of impact. They need more of that. So those are the decisions in, in, in staffing that you have to look at going forward. So you say that, you say, okay, get your recruiting back in order. Get some people excited about what you're doing on the recruiting trail again. You'll know what that looks like if you, if you see it. You'll know what it doesn't look like if you see it that way too. And then, yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be the best coaching job of his life. That's that's how it comes down. If Jim Harbaugh's back, he will have to go and perform the best coaching job of his coaching life uh, to get this thing turned around to, to a level that I think people would say, okay, maybe I can buy this again. Maybe I can buy that maybe this is going to be something that is sustainable and that's the bottom line. And I think he knows that. I think he's I think he's admitted that admitted that as much probably to people uh in private that this is gonna have to be a hell of a, a hell of a job by him. And you know, you talk about a guy who's who was known in his playing career, right, Brennan, for comebacks and all these mm-hmm. things, right? Well, there here you go. go. 
I mean, this is going to have to be it because. Oh, that sounds like a lead for a column, Nick. It's not. It's not (laughs) like just this, like one or two, as you said, it's not like one or two tweaks and you'll just be fine. I don't think that's the case. I think it's really going to have to be some really difficult questions that you're asking yourself about your staff, but also Jim's going to have to ask them about himself. He's going to have to ask them about himself, and that's how this is all going to have to go. So recruiting is going to have to get fixed and going to have to get to a point where you're competing with real teams for real talent, premium talent. I shouldn't say real talent because they have talented players, but premium talent, talent that you can't, you know, I don't have to wait on that guy. That guy's coming in, Mm -hmm. and within the end of the second year, he's going to be either starting or he'll be playing heavy reps, making a difference on this football team. Those are the guys they have to bring in here because they've got to get this thing stirred up again. They've got to get the competition heated up. They've got to get – I told Colton this a couple weeks ago. I called it the the catfish. Get the catfish in the tub and get them swimming around, get everybody worked up. And that's what Michigan State's trying to do in their sense. Michigan, I think, in some ways needs to do the same thing. Because it's – you know, if you look at where they're at right now as a team, like it, not good, right? There's clearly no, a, a void in talent. Um, and if there were a new coach coming in under this scenario, inheriting this roster and basically rebuilding, yeah. you would say, okay, man, it's going to take two or three years for this guy to get this thing going. Well, that's still the same case with Harbaugh. It just happens to be that it's going to be his, what, sixth, seventh, eighth years. Yeah, six, seventh year. Yeah. Seventh year. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I mean, it's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I really do wonder if we were not in a pandemic year, um, and of course you could say that about everything, right? You could say maybe if we weren't in a pandemic year, would they be as bad? Um, maybe not, but probably not good. Right. <laughs> it probably wouldn't have been good. We'd probably still be having a lot of these same conversations. So if it wasn't in a pandemic year, would they be more, would they have been more comfortable maybe entertaining the idea of firing him. Uh, you know, I don't know that. I can't say that for certain. Um, but I just, I think that this whole thing has made made both sides think longer than they ever have before about what life is going to be like once they're not together anymore, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Both sides have entertained right. that, I believe, more than they have at any point before, including Jim having to know that, you know, you're going to have to have tabs on maybe what's next here. And if this doesn't, if this doesn't work out, you really want it to work out. You want, you want to make it work. You don't want to throw the towel in. And I think that that's all true, but you know, there has to come a point somewhere down the road. If it doesn't click where everyone's just got to say, okay, we tried. And like you said, a couple minutes ago, I mean, not a failed experiment in terms of like, it's been a disaster. Right. Right. But definitely not what anybody thought, you know, the the greatest outcome could be. Mm-hmm. And that was the hope when it started. No one guaranteed anything, but certainly that was the hope. And at some point, you know, a spade has to be called. And right. if it's not going to turn around. So we'll see how it goes. So before we get into defensive coordinator candidates, I'm curious, is there, I feel like a lot is vested right now in Josh Gaddis. Uh, yeah, he's still got, well, it was his second year. So he's got one more year with a lot of money on it left, yeah. And, you know, I imagine he's part of the plan, both in recruiting and coaching. I think so, yeah. Mm. Is there any chance that he gets poached or that he would go somewhere? I mean, that's a great question. That's um, because I think that if he were to be fired, um, and I don't think that that's going to happen based Mm -hmm. on, I haven't been told that, but I, I just, I've been asked by people in, you know, some of those conversations if I thought that Gaddis should be fired. And my answer to that is no, I, I wouldn't fire him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, uh, to your point, I think he, if he were fired, I don't think he'd have to wait long. I think right. he would have a job pretty quickly, and I think it'd be a good one at a good place anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be a, I don't know if he'd be a coordinator, but he'd be on someone's staff recruiting really quickly because Josh Gaddis is a really good recruiter. Um, kids and their families, he can connect with them. He's he's young enough still, I think, to where he has a nice, and he played. You know, mm-hmm. he was a he was a college football player who was a guy who went through all the same stuff that a lot of it's 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 a similar thing when you get. Like Jawan, right? Where it's like I can be in your, I'm in your shoes and everything you're going through, right? So sure. I think he has that going for him. He's a really good recruiter. He's personable, all that. But he's also a, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's a smart coach. I think Gaddis's thing is that he's still so new in this coordinator part that if you could find a way to maybe help him with details on installs and things of that nature, maybe this could really take off. But I think the ideas in his head are all good. Sometimes getting them out and getting them you know, functional maybe is, is a trip up, but no, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, there's, he's making a lot of money here. I don't think he'd find a job in this scenario okay. right now for more money. Um, but he'd be scooped up pretty fast. I think, I don't think he'd be sitting out mm-hmm. very long, uh, if you let him go. And I, I don't think that that's, what's going to happen. I, I think if you looked at signing day, all the offensive guys for the most, they didn't lose anybody on offense. They lost yeah. some guys on defense. But I think all the offensive guys plus Donovan Edwards coming in sort of signals that, you know, the message there was Jim Harbaugh saying, you know, I plan to be here and I plan for Josh to be with me. And I, I don't know how else to read that. I mean, that seems like that's what's probably going to happen. It's such a fascinating deal when like the these coordinators and the perceptions around these guys. I mean, Don Brown, right, a head coaching candidate in each of the yeah. last like few off seasons. And now he's the dumbest guy. Doesn't know anything. Fire this idiot, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, holy shit. I remember a couple of years ago, like people were acting like he like reinvented the wheel. Like he was the smartest yeah. guy in the world. This old wizard, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about that for a second because it's, it's a good point. It's like the point of points. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not a bad football coach, right. right? He is a good football coach. When he got here, Michigan was completely loaded. They mm-hmm. had, Eight draft picks, and I believe that defense that first year had like 12 draft picks on it in total. And so they're loaded in year one, they're loaded in year two, and they're pretty much loaded in year three. And he had the personnel that he needed to run all the stuff that they were running. And at the time it was, uh, you know, maybe you could call it exotic. It was certainly aggressive. It was different. It challenged teams to do things in a way. I mean, he, he got the best out of the talent that was there. You cannot argue that. Yeah. He put them in positions to do what they do best, and they did what they did best. I mean, that was the situation, and he was great with that. The problem has been that, you know, when talent dips, and we've talked about recruiting, and that happened for a number of reasons, um, not all one person's fault, but, you know, the collective, whatever. When that dips, and he doesn't immediately start to sort of I don't know. The, the hard thing with him was I think he put too, he oftentimes would put too much faith in, in his guys and he didn't want to put them in situations where his players or his staff, his players. Okay. Um, and I think sometimes he was asking them to do things that were over their head mm-hmm. and didn't want to admit maybe to himself or whatever reason that it wasn't over their head. He thought they could do it. He thought they were ready. He wanted to believe in them, wanted to put that faith in them. And then sometimes what you saw, you know, in that 2018 Ohio State game was the first one and the one really, not the first one, I guess, but the one really that's that changed everything here yeah. was that, you know, when you got guys out there that are pretty good football players and you're asking them to do one thing over, you know, that they just can't handle and there's just not enough 
you know, not enough in the bag to counter it, it's going to look really, really bad. And I think that clouded a lot for people. Um, you know, there were people that would claim he never adjusted, he never switched coverages, which is completely false. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were about, I mean, it just is. They were like mm-hmm. 50-50 man zone in, in 2019. I don't know if it was exactly 50-50. I think it was 51-49 uh, in 2019. The closest split he's probably ever had. Um, they were a little less, a little more toward man in 2018, but they were still playing some zone in 2018. Um, and so, yeah, he's adjusted. Um, but again, like a lot of things in this program, it was a little bit late and the talent just had dropped so fast because it was coming when you have a bad class, like they did in 2018 or not a bad class, but not what you hope it would be. You know, when you have transfers, everything starts to tip down Mm -hmm. And, you know, suddenly I think it, everything kind of avalanched on him. You look up one day and you're like, well, I got nothing in the room. I, I don't have any corners that govern man, so we can't do that. Right. We're not a good zone team, so that's going to be a problem. <laughs> you know, you can't just you can't just go play zone by just saying go play zone. Mm-hmm. You have to teach it, you know. And so, and the, you know, obviously, as he said, they spent more time on man. All these things. I think everything just sort of avalanched and became too much. I mean, the roster just wasn't capable. If Don Brown is coaching at a place like Alabama – with a roster like that, get out of here. They, you're not scoring on them. I mean, that's if he was at Ohio State with a roster like that, forget it. I mean, but that's the situation, right? I mean, you can't, but you also can't take a roster that doesn't have, you know, that's not better than its opposition and ask them to play like that because you're going to get burned. And that's what happened. And I think it was just time for a change. I think it was probably time for a change for everybody. I would argue that that may have been the case before last year, mm-hmm. but is what it is. Um, I don't think you're going to hear Don Brown saying too much, too much, Probably not at anything at all. Bad words about Michigan. Uh, I think it was reported last night by a couple of the recruiting uh, writers that he told some of the kids that committed like that this was possible, that he was going to get let go. Hmm. But he told them, I want you to stay at Michigan because I want you the, – the, the opportunities that school are going to give you are greater than anything I can. So I want you to st- – I mean, you know, that's a window into Don yeah. yeah, yeah, Pretty good guy, smart, smart coach, good dude, you know, did what he could. And Great mustache. That's the great mustache, great interview. We'll right. miss the interviews, obviously, with him too. But um, it is what it is, and so. But no, I mean, I, I just you see that stuff happen, like you said. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Like mm-hmm. he's not a bad coach. I mean, he wasn't just a clueless football coach. That's complete nonsense. And it gets like it, it's just it gets to be a bit much, you know, when you hear some of that for sure. Twitter Especially stuff, when like you know, a guy like has yeah. the pedigree. That he had, like all, like that resume speaks for itself. The early success yeah. he had at Michigan when he had dudes speaks for itself. Like he didn't yeah, forget how to coach. It's you know, I mean, there's a million examples of this where where people just you know want to use a very small sample size to draw vast conclusions about someone who's been doing it for 40 years, and you're just like, well, that's just preposterous. <laughs> like, right. you know, like, like the Eagles want to fire Doug Peterson, and I'm like. The guy won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. He he gets to be the coach. In my book, he gets to be the coach. Forever. As long as he wants. <laughs> so. I just, I yeah, I just, I, I think people, and we've been having these talks with fans for years, like, you got to know that firing a guy is like the last resort scenario because it's like, a, it's never good when mm-hmm. you have to fire someone. It's a bad thing. It's always a bad situation. It's not going to fix itself overnight immediately like you think it is. And, you know, you know how this works. They're going to hire a guy, whoever it is, Derek Mason, one of these guys, whoever mm-hmm. it is, 
is going to come in here, and within the first six weeks, we're going to read from, and you know where we're going to read it from, about what a change. What a change this has happened. He's fixed everything. It's all fixed. Okay? You know it. You're laughing. I mean, you know we're going to read this stuff. Uh-huh. So I would just hope that people at this point, after all these years, can maybe breathe on it for a second before we go down that road, but... I mean, think about how some of the like the, some of the hagiography that's been produced about uh, you know various coordinators and assistants who have come in to this place and then we, promptly yeah. been dismissed a year or two later or proven to just be just Neanderthals and blah blah blah. You remember? Just, uh, do you remember who's that Doug one Nuss- guy? Who's that Doug one guy? Niedermeyer or whatever his name? Doug, Doug, Nussmeyer. Doug, there you go. <laughs> Doug, Doug Nussmeyer comes in, uh, who's still I think in the NFL coaching. I actually saw his picture on some. Staff the other day, that was that. Yeah, it was a hoax before hoax last year when mm-hmm. they blamed everything on Borges. <laughs> they had Dave Brandon in there blaming everything on Borges. Poor uh, Al Borges there. Uh, so they fire Al. They have a press conference where Brady doesn't ask any questions. Brandon takes questions in the hallway, and Doug Nussmeier's like, "What am I? What am I doing here?" <laughs> a year goes by, and of course, they were a bad team, so you know it didn't work. Right. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. And people, I remember moment. people asking Nussmeier questions that were like just hilarious, and he and he was just kind of standing there, being like, like "Where am I?" I mean, he was, I? like there was like fifty reporters around him, and he was yeah, just like, "What the hell is going on here?" And people were just like, they were just asking, like, "Are you going to save the offense and stuff like that?" It was right, just like very broad. Yeah, you're gonna fix everything. All right, Please I mean, we, we can't move on to more questions until I know everyone that's still listening to this conversation. Um, Probably has already seen the lists of names that are going to be in play potentially for this hire. Sure. Um, can you uh, give your your pecking order of likelihood for certain dudes who could be landing here? Obviously, Mason's the the yeah. I think Mason would be the top. Name. Yeah, I think Mason would be the top one. Um, what do you think about the idea of a like everyone, I I feel like has just like pencils it in that because he worked for Harbaugh, he'd want to do so again. Uh, Are there? Yeah, I mean, do, do his ex assistants automatically want to work for him again? No, I don't think that you could say that. I mean, but I I wouldn't say that all of them would say I would never work for Jim again either. Though you know, like right. I, I don't know Derek Mason. Um, sure. Uh, I don't know him personally. So, and I would also tell you that he only worked with him one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Jim hired him in twenty ten. Uh, he was the DB's coach there, and they liked him a ton, obviously. And then David Shaw takes over the next right. year. And I believe um, Derek Mason got promoted to assistant head coach yes. for David Shaw, and then he was the DC pretty immediately. So, you know, I think he's a pretty – you know, he coached at Vanderbilt, which tells me something. He coached at Stanford, which tells me something. I think that that should signal, you know, that he would be along the same lines of thinking in terms of – how you kind of go about your business as Jim would be. Right. I think well, and that fits the recruiting profile, like yeah, knows where to find so. the kids um, that can, can, can get in and all that stuff. Right. So I think in that sense, it would make, it would make quite a bit of sense. And I, I, I don't know exactly what went wrong for Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, other than it's Vanderbilt, <laughs> you know, and I, a safe bet. you know, I mean, James Franklin did better there, I guess. Um, not, I guess he did, yeah. so, but James Franklin wasn't exactly lighting it up there either. It's Vanderbilt. And like so. at the end, if, if you go back and look at like, Franklin's tenure at Tennessee. There was a lot of weird stuff. That was like when Florida imploded. That's true. It was when Tennessee yeah. imploded. There were, yeah. Their division in the SEC. Look at me talking football, Nick. 
<laughs> the old the, SEC days. Like, there, all yeah. the, the division was as down as it had ever been. And now he brought in mm. dudes, and a lot of those dudes ended up getting in trouble, by the way. But um, yeah, <laughs> like he didn't he didn't leave that thing on a on a white horse. Um, it was more of a cloud. So uh, yes, he did have success at at Vanderbilt, but I will I would argue there were caveats there. Yeah, I mean, he's also a guy. I just I don't really hear much by way of like people talking down on mm-hmm. Derek Mason. I think he's mm-hmm. a pretty well liked guy for the most part. So uh, that would make a lot of sense. Um, you know, from there, I think you know you could. It would depend on where he wants to look. We did this the last time, and Don Brown was not on anyone's list. And Harbaugh googled who's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you remember how that went. So like that, so it's possible that there's somebody that he finds from God knows where, you know, wherever that he that he decides to hire. And again, at the time, that was a great hire, and it worked out really well for him. Um, but like Tim Banks is a is a co defensive coordinator at Penn State. Uh, Tim is from Detroit. He played at King, um, went to Central. Uh, would fit a lot of those, you know, like good recruiter, been around a while now, working is working in a good program, all that sort of thing. Um, has been in the Big Ten before. I believe he's been at Illinois as well. So he's another guy that maybe could be on the call list. Will Muschamp just got fired. I mean, if you want. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why that's. I, I, I get know, the Derek I, Mason thing. I don't know why Muschamp wouldn't be. That one the first it doesn't name. seem to fit as much to me. Charlie Strong is a name that has been. Wait, why doesn't uh, Muschamp fit? Muschamp, has he ever coached up here in this well, area? No, uh, but you I, could. Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't you. We're talking recruiting. Yeah, this, maybe this guy's maybe been. In all I don't the... know. I, I I don't know that he does or doesn't. I really don't. Like that's what I'm saying. I don't. Hmm. I don't know that he doesn't. I don't know that he does. I mean, he's been a southern coach most of his most of all of his career, really. So maybe that would help. But then again, like I just said, you know, Charlie Strong. I don't know how many times Charlie Strong's been up uh, in these parts. I mean, but he'd be another name that was that someone had brought up uh, along the way. I don't know how likely that would be though uh, either. Uh, it feels like Mason is the top candidate. You know, there's some other, uh, I've seen, um, there's some other names that have sort of popped up. Over Bring the DJ years. Durkin back. No, I don't think that's going <laughs> to, I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, you know, we'll have to, I guess we'll have to see sort of where this all ebbs and flows. I think Derek Mason is also a guy that you're going to have a little bit of uh, competition for, possibly. So, hmm. you know, it's not exactly a slam dunk. You can just walk into that one. So we'll see. Sort of where it all goes as this sort of starts to shake up. We saw quite a bit of more movement yesterday on the old carousel. I think we, I feel like we saw a handful of staffs start to turn some things over. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll maybe some other names will um, become available here or whatever in the coming days. I don't know. Okay, we'll all see right. how it goes. Was that was that good enough on Michigan? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. All right, this was a mailbag episode, so let's yeah. get into some mailbag questions. Sure. Uh, at Rich Cooper, is the Big Ten planning a conference basketball tournament? I should know this. If mm. so, the tournament is the tournament different than prior years? So I actually saw this question this morning, and I'm like, you know, I'm not exactly sure. So I, I shot a text <laughs> to someone who would know, and uh, as of now, yes, it's March 10th through the 14th, whatever, in yep. Chicago. You know, the league has – when you are have something booked like a conference tournament, right? That means that you have a arena deal in place. That means you've got hotel contracts, venue contracts, right? There's a lot at play. You don't just kind of willy-nilly cancel a conference tournament. So as of now, still green light 
in Chicago, yep. normal format, normal everything. Um, obviously, no fans, but March is a long way away. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I would argue, like, you could argue there's, like, other than TV and venue contract and things like that, um, you could argue, like, the Big Ten really does not need to have a conference tournament this year. They're going to get nine teams in the NCAA tournament. You can just crown your, you can just give your automatic bid to your regular season champion and go on with it, right? If you're the Atlantic 10, you have to have a conference tournament, right? Because say you have two or three teams that can get an at-large bid. Well, you want some, you want a third or fourth team to then go win your conference tournament and get you an extra bid, right? Like Big 10, Nebraska is not going to pop up and win the Big Ten tournament and well, steal you an extra bid. What's the difference? But you need the money. What about that money, my man? Right. Oh, I know it, baby. Got to get that. You got to get paid. <laughs> Apparently, and that's uh, you're right. I'm on all this stuff, but that's the one thing I would I would say is like mm-hmm. the money. That's the only reason the tournament exists. Sure, is for the TV money. So I don't know, but like I mean, that's to your point though earlier, like. Football had all these plans, and then as things went along, everything just went to hell. And they were mm-hmm. like, "All right, let's just limp to the end of the year here." And whoever, I mean, they were changing rules. They were changing rules about who was eligible for what in like the last week. Like they were like, "Okay, just throwing what darts. Do we gotta do? What do we got to do to get Ohio State in this playoff so they'll leave us alone for like ten minutes?" And that's you know, I mean, whatever. Uh, obviously, I think it was fair that Ohio State had that chance, but still. You know, I mean, they just sort of let it all go on the fly, and whatever <laughs> happened happened, and it was like, "What do you want us to do?" That was kind of the that was kind of the attitude. It seemed like, yeah. So we'll um, see. No, I, I mean, they could just scrap it. They trust could get me, to if a it, point if where, it were yeah. up to me, I would we would get to the end of the season. I would then shoot down to Sawgrass and cover the Players' Championship, <laughs> and then come back and cover the NCAA tournament. That would be an ideal world. Like, do we think that COVID is going to be like out of control still in? February, March, and if because if we do, then it's certainly possible that they're just like whatever, just kill it. And I mean, they're playing the right now; it's out of control. So, is it going to get yeah. worse than it is right but now? It doesn't. Would they, I don't but think but it's my projected point is, to do in that, that sense. In that sense, would it be? Would it be? Would having a tournament in in that sense be safer? I don't know. It, I don't know. It would have to. It would have to all depend on what things are looking like. You know, like basically two weeks out, even it, right. it would go right to the wire. Right. So. And then, like, we'll see. what if, I mean, there's a, there's all kinds of scenarios that could play out. What if you get to the tournament and four teams are on lockdown or whatever? Yeah, then they just what can't the hell play. Hap- what the hell happens then, you know? Well, I think just, that's part of it, too. Like, you're are you reordering go to- a bracket? You're, right. What are you doing? Well, you get you get a buy because they can't play. Like, is that what you're going to do? And that's the thing that a lot of people you heard all year, you know, like, is this even a competitive, what are we mm-hmm. even doing? Mm-hmm. Why are we even playing? And the answer to those of you who were asking, like, you don't know is they needed money. They wanted to get paid. That's why they played. They didn't care about anything else. It wasn't about, we got to make sure we are upholding the competitive whatever of this conference. No, they wanted to get paid. That's why they played. And they they played just enough games to get whatever money they needed to come in. Mm-hmm. And then when everything, you know, and it's like, it is what it is. You knew there were going to be cancellations and there probably will be in basketball too. It's just sure. like, you can't control it. So make the money you can. If you can scrap it, scrap it. If you can play it, play it. But like, I, I, I just can't imagine them being like, we're going to play the Big Ten tournament with nine of our teams, right? <laughs> and like, a right. handful are just going to be out, and they can't play. Like, I, that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. for a league that 
you know, when the summer started, we were still talking about the Big Ten and the and the old mindset of like this is the Big Ten, this is this is all or nothing, this is a consensus league. Boy, oh boy, those days are gone yeah. uh, apparently, or at least it seems like it right now, anyway. So, because I think they're uh, at like they're at about like a fifteen percent clip right now. I think of games canceled daily. Fifteen um, percent of the Big Ten games, or all oh, games? I think in college basketball, basically. God, fifteen percent of all games every day. I, I think about yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't. Is that? Bad? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, it feels what, like I mean, it might what? not be that bad, but it also might be bad. I mean, like I this. Know. But the thing is, is that it's already getting more normal, right? Everyone's freaking out the first week. Where do you see this team's pausing? This team's pausing. Just shut it down. And I'm like, okay, well now it's weeks into it, and there's teams paused. There's teams that aren't paused, and the games are going yeah, on, I, and everyone's just kind of rolling with it. You know, you just got to do it. Yeah, right. I, I think I that'll know. be. What I don't know what I don't know yeah. what the reaction to this. Um, the kid at Florida, where they're talking yeah. about, you know, potentially. I don't know how to pronounce it. The meta My, myocarditis. Thank you. Um, if that's proven to be, you know, COVID related, is there any yeah. residual from that? Let's be honest. Well, probably that's, if not. That's, if that's proven to be COVID related, yeah. Right, and this kid has myocarditis from COVID. Yeah. And they keep playing like. I don't know what else to say anymore. Like that would be tough. Do you to think see. there's any chance that they that they cancel because of one kid? I'm sorry. I'm not saying it's probably, right. Probably I'm not, not saying I yeah. agree with yeah, it. Yeah. But I'm saying in reality, what's going to happen? No, probably not. No, probably, probably not. Right. No. And I think you'll. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that all goes. We'll see how that all shakes out. But you know? uh, not good. Not good. But he is okay, or he's better, right? Is it, apparently, they but the, the, he's apparently also out for the still season. Still not doing well. And, yeah. I don't know what his long-term health looks like, and oh, you know, God. got a newspaper down there reporting this thing on a single source, so we have no yeah. idea what is true and what is not. But I mean, that was the Big Ten's chief concern, mm-hmm. right? Was mm-hmm. um, was one of these kids is going to get this and and die or something, you know, or have serious serious health issues immediately um, right. because of it? And I don't know, I don't know. Hey, we, football was was a helter skelter mess um with each conference sort of doing whatever they thought was best and basically what you know we talked about this the sec controls its sway and influences other leagues the big 10 has its sway over like the pac-12 and that's how it went pac-12 followed the big 10 the acc and the big 12 followed the sec and you know that's how it went i don't know college basketball is different though so you know it's more of a unified i feel like sport where the leagues are usually Usually more on the same page, it feels like to me anyway, but maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. The, I mean, the only way I see anything anything being canceled with any sweeping action would be scenario where, like, you get a league where 10 teams are on pause and it's just like, well, okay, mm-hmm. there's no more games. So what the hell are we doing here? Um, but even then, a high major, yeah. don't see it happening. Don't see it happening. No way. You know, maybe, you know, if, if eight Mac teams were all paused, right, they could just be like, all right, this is not good. Um, but beyond that, don't see it happening. There's just too much at yeah, stake. They'll get through it one way or the Again, other. Again, not saying not I agree with it, not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying what the reality of it is. What's your next question? Uh, Carl asks, so is the transfer portal this year going to be a way for a lot of programs to, quote, reset, or is it going to be a clusterfuck where lots of programs crash their culture, uh, which is a great question, mm. and kind of the question about the transfer portal, right, that has been 
sort of hovering for years as we waited and waited and waited. And obviously, I think COVID probably escalated this. I did. There are no waivers now, yep. right, right? Like, you can go wherever you want. And we have seen basically the equivalent of what everyone said, this is how it's going to go. I mean, it's not quite free agency, but it kind of is. Um, and that's a great question. I mean, like, I've seen these reports now, you know, I don't know what, I mean, we have, we've seen the transfer portal. I don't know how many names are in it at current moment, but it's a ton. It's more than there are available scholarships, I believe, or it's, it's infringing on that mm-hmm. in terms of football. So... I mean, it's going to depend on each team's situation. It's going to depend on, you know, who's running their staff, how desperate they are for an immediate turnaround, all that sort of stuff. I think you will see some cases where somebody gets a little overzealous with the transfer portal, and yes, uh, it will challenge their program's culture. Uh, I think you'll see some cases where, and I think, but I do think in most cases, in a lot of cases, I think what you're going to see is a lot of kids just don't, they won't have anywhere to go. They'll just be without a scholar, you know, no one will take them. I think mm-hmm. that that's what's going to end up happening. I mean, how many quarterbacks are going to be in this thing, you know, before it's all said and done? How many of them are going to get chances to go in and win a job right away? I mean, there's just only so many places you can go, and it depends on your skill level, obviously, actually. But, you know, I think the end result will mostly be that there's going to be a lot of kids in there that don't have any home and are just sort of stuck. And if you leave your school, put your name in there, you've given up your spot. Right. I mean, in theory, you can come back. We've seen, you know, it's not impossible. It's a thing you can work out with your team. But like if they've if you told them I'm leaving, then they're going to tell you nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten. Then, well, your spot is taken now by someone else. I don't know who yet, but we're giving it away. So, you know, I think that that's what you're going to end up seeing. You're going to see a lot of kids who left because they thought one were, you know, I'm not getting enough time here. One reason or another, blah, blah, blah. And then, well, nobody else wants you. So what now what? Right. You know, and I think that's more likely to happen. But no, I mean. I've wondered about that too. There's so many kids now, you know, coming in there and it's it's a daily thing. It's just a one after another after another. I just for shits and gigs, I just looked and yesterday was 31 guys entered it for yeah, from FBS I mean, football. Th- this is that time of year anyway, so in some in some cases it's not as alarming. Um but I think when we, when we look up in like February at, at this number and, and be like, "Okay, that's a lot," you mm-hmm. know, um We'll see sort of how it shakes out, but that's my main thing: is is everybody going to have a place to go? You 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 know you you mentioned yesterday, maybe it was a Slack or something about mm-hmm. you know there's a bunch of new quarterbacks in there, and maybe did Michigan State should they have waited? Right. And my answer to that is like, I don't know if anybody can be waiting because you know this thing could get really dicey on you if you wait. And it, same thing for a kid: you're taking the opportunity that's there. You can't wait around and be too selective with it because somebody you know there's more competition. So. I don't know. It's not not an ideal situation, but also like, what do you do? You, I mean, you can't tell kids right now if you got to go, you got to go. I, I don't know how you're supposed to restrict them in a COVID yeah. world or anywhere, really. But um, I mean, I don't know. But the, cul- what, the what culture question, on- the culture question's tough though, because you know when yeah. when you get guys who are are transfers, right? It's there's a lot at play there of why ton, yeah. they're transferring. You know, they're clearly mm-hmm. looking for something different and are willing to leave to find it so are they just you know is it a guy who's just looking for his spot to get what's best for him is he looking to go to a place that wins is he going to look for better coaching is it his family's telling him to go find something else you know like there's so many things at play and like in basketball you get a much you have much more opportunity to really kind of, I think, learn about a guy when you're re-recruiting out of the transfer portal. Whereas with football, 
there's so many bodies moving around left and right. You're just kind of just plugging and playing, right? You're just looking for dudes yep. and you're just bringing bodies in. Um, you're just kind of filling off lines on your big ass roster board, right? Um, mm-hmm. Are you really able to, you know, in the recruiting process, I'm sure in football, you're doing it, you know, you're recruiting under your culture questions and things like that. Are yep. you able to really do that when it comes from the portal and football? It's kind of hard, I mean, right? It, it's the, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to find a way to get intel on what this kid was like at his previous program. Right. Which sometimes means you're going to have to talk to a coach that maybe doesn't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Right? That maybe doesn't want to give you all that information. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, it's you're, it's recruiting. It's just like recruiting. I mean, you're going to have to go back to what you do in recruiting and just you're going to have to, you know, and the teams that don't do that, I guess, and if you just add in transfers left and right without any kind of care in the world about how it's going to impact everybody else in your room, mm-hmm. um you know, yeah, it could get out of control. And I think we could see that, you know, in some cases. I think, but also, you could see it work the other way. We just saw Rutgers, and I know people probably want to laugh or whatever, but like Shiano brought in a bunch of transfers that got immediately eligible and it changed the entire team. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of guys that were like good, you know, solid football players that were like, you know what, like I could stay here, I could go home and try something, you know, and it worked. But not everybody can necessarily pull that off either you know so right. it's it's got to be what's right for you at that moment in time and, and everything else um that's not an easy deal as, that transfer portal thing i gotta tell you for every justin fields and jalen hurts um you're talking a dozen or more guys that you've never heard of that it didn't work out and it was worse yeah. for so you know there's there's positive instances of it you know here locally you know michigan's had some success there um you know, Michael Dana was a guy last year. They got ended up getting drafted. Came from Central Michigan, transferred in, did a great job for him. Michigan State's had you know Jaden Reed, the, the kid from Western Michigan, um, up transfer there. You've, you've seen some of that. The up transfers, we're mm-hmm. going to see more of that in football. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, I don't know. This is a. I feel like college football and all of college athletics in general are almost at like a brand new. Everything from here forward will just be something completely new and different, and it's almost like a reset of all this stuff. Like whatever happened, you know what I mean? Am I like over dramatic on that? Because it feels like no. anything that happened before COVID is just like whatever. Like that sure. was then, now is this, and we, you know, so we'll see how it goes. I totally agree. Uh, I had a lot of Michigan State basketball questions. Um, okay, I'll, I'll read uh, at ATMR Sports. Why is everyone panicking about MSU? Do we not do this song and dance every year? Why are they being looked at differently for their first loss than teams like Illinois are for their multiple losses? Can I say something before you get into it? Uh, absolutely, Nick. This is a Michigan State fan, I assume? And he's wearing a Michigan State jersey in yeah. his Twitter picture. So the I'm answer say to yes. why do why – do, and the question was why do other teams – why do we get treated differently? Why does everyone panic tre- about MSU? The fans are panicking. It's not anybody else. It's you guys. It's the fans. You're the ones panicking. All the people in the media will tell you, we've seen this every single year Tom Izzo's ever been a coach. Some people will tell you, I think he does it on purpose to try to get these guys ready later. Like, that's a fan thing. I mean, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I heard I, that. I, I agree. Ear, I, so. uh, I mean, I just had, I recorded a whole podcast with Dylan earlier this week. And like, yeah. this is what I was saying. I'm like... I'm not pretty sure draw- Dylan thinks he does it on purpose. So yeah, like, yeah, but even Dylan's like, I don't know about these guys. Like, I don't know if it fits. I don't oh, know really? about Aaron Henry. I don't know about Rocket Watts. I don't know about Joey House. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. And I'm like, I yeah, I agree with you. They they looked like shit yeah. against Northwestern, and they haven't been playing well since the Duke win at all. 
Their defense yeah. is oddly uh, poor right now, and guys are just missing assignments, and it's there's a lot of bad there. But it's a two-week sample size about a program that hasn't that's lost more than a six lot. games in the Big Ten once in the last eleven years. Okay, so it's like, you know, I'm getting knocked for, like, we, we did, like, a power ranking of the league, and I still put Michigan State at, like, fourth or something. And people are like, sure. I can't you believe you put Michigan State so high. And I'm like, okay, they're 6-1. and one. <laughs> they Yes, they lost at Northwestern, but, like, end of the day, they get the benefit of the doubt more than other programs. They get the benefit of the doubt certainly more than Illinois, certainly more than... Um, yes. Iowa, certainly more than a number of these programs because they're there every year. Like, right. it's just what happens. And, like, they, they're not – do they not have a true point guard? Yes. And do they have a, a major question mark at the five position? Yes. And is the defense really shitty right now? Sure. But it is December 22nd, 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve, as we covered. Yeah, Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah. <laughs> and – by February, I just don't have any doubt that they'll have this thing figured out and they're going to be a lot yeah, better. the best version of themselves. Are yeah. they going to win the Big Ten this year? If I had a bet today, I'd probably say no, okay? Right. Whatever. Are they still going to be a top three or four team and like a five seed in the NCAA tournament or a three seed in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, probably. I'd bet on that. So who gives a yeah. shit? Relax. <laughs> We're going to be fine, you know, and they're going to take some lumps here. And like right now, yeah, there's a lot of things that you need to be concerned about. And the staff is going to be banging its head against the walls and all this stuff. But like, I don't know. I agree with the question here. This is song and dance every single year. Do you think that they're having, because I didn't watch that game fully, but I saw parts of it. Mm -hmm. Or I saw the parts in the second half because I saw the score and I was like, well, that's a... It was a little alarming, but not, yeah. you know, whatever. It was sure. just, you know, whoa, that's an interesting one. So I turn it on and I'm watching it and, you know, you're reminded like, okay, they were on the road, so maybe it's a little different, but no no crowd. Mm-hmm. This is a team that often plays on them, does a great job of playing with their emotions and mm-hmm. letting their emotions sort of, you know, and the energy that, that sometimes the crowd and everything else can give you. And, and maybe on the road, the energy of everyone wanting you to fall apart. Yeah. Do you think that they're having issues at all with that right now, maybe? Um, I mean, I think it's more so the just just kind of black and white of what the team is right Right. now. And the fact that like they don't have a go-to guy, right? When you get behind um, in a game and you need someone to just go get get you buckets. That was Cassius Winston for a good while there, right? He was pretty good at it. Um, Right now, it's kind of Aaron Henry dive bombing to the basket and trying to convert. Or, or taking shots or Rocket Watts launching threes and stuff or, or, you know, kind of playing a little bit out of control. Like, you don't have the let's get in a huddle, let's draw something up for insert name. Right. That's kind of lacking right now. And it's an issue. Um, and it'll be really interesting. They play Wisconsin on Christmas. Well, like, and Wisconsin's shit. That's a defensive team that's going to make you play, man. They are old. They know what they're doing. Um you know, if you thought Michigan State looked bad against Northwestern, right. uh, there's a chance Christmas Day is even worse, right? That also doesn't change the fact that I think they get this thing figured out. 
and in right. the, and the big picture probably going to be just fine. Um, you know, I mean, there's just a th- the, th- the thing is that there's just a thousand examples you can cite of basically this exact scenario playing out and then mm-hmm. things working out fine. Are they going to be a Final Four team? Maybe not. But like... Were they supposed to be? This well, year? I don't think they were supposed. I mean, like, yeah. I, I mean, I picked them to finish second in the Big Ten, which I don't think is like implausible by any means right now. Um, I mean, I assume they'll get their defense situated. It might not be the best team that he's ever had defensively. Because well, yeah, I mean, they they, they lost players, Xavier but, Tillman, and you know, right. one of the things I think they're lacking right now they 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 have no um, stability, familiarity. Um, cohesion at the five position and yeah. that can really bite you when you need someone to be able to communicate on the back end call out screens kind of play that like middle linebacker role it was xavier tillman for yeah, right two I, years and i it assume, was just i assume uh, uh, just amazing at all that shit and now it's this rotating door thomas kithier marcus bingham julius marble Sometimes they go small with Joey Hauser at the five. Late games and like in weird spots, they go with like Matty Sissoko just to kind of get him some run. It's not like, yeah. hey, so you're the guy. You're the guy. Learn how to communicate. You need to, if we don't hear you on every defensive possession, you're not doing your job, right? And they're, they're lacking that. And, you know, they might have been projected probably because of the Duke game to be a little bit better defensively than they were. When at the end of the day, sure. you know, Josh Langford is not the defender that he was um, yeah. two years ago. That's not a knock on him. But when anyone that was just like, oh, yeah, Josh Langford was the best on-ball defender two years ago, so he'll be the best on-ball defender now. Well, no, he's old <laughs> and his legs and are not what they problems. were. Yeah, right. So there's that. Um, Gabe Brown is a guy who has all that length and all this athleticism and all the this and all the that. And then sometimes he just goes and completely spaces on an assignment and just gives up a wide open corner three. And you see Dane Fife like slamming his head against the chair and Mike Garland throwing up, you know, yeah. crumbled a box score across the bench. Like those right. things still happen. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you still have Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts as, you know, Elite level on ball defenders who it, it, that's your foundation there. defensively. And when it gets mm-hmm. to February and they figure some things out, it'll probably be fine. Yeah, I feel like this happens every time that they have uh, that Izzo has roster, not I, they have roster turnover every year, but turnover like this when they lose, um, you know, because they always seem to have one or two seniors on their team that is just that are just like. This guy has been doing this at an elite level for like a mm-hmm. hundred years, and he's graduated now, and it's got to restart. But if you look back and remember, um, God, I don't know what year it would have been, but like Nick Ward is like a sophomore, maybe, and they're trying to figure themselves out defensively, and they're not really playing Tillman, but they start playing Tillman a little bit, and mm-hmm. he suddenly is revealed to be this outstanding defensive presence, and they say, okay, he's you know because the way they run their program, it's super competitive. He's right. risen to the top. We're going to go with him, and he's going to be our guy. And I feel like that's probably what they're doing right now with, you just said, you know, a slew of guys in the middle. It's like one of those guys is going to have to be, you know, the guy who raises above the rest. If you don't get it this year, maybe you don't. But Well, it's like I asked Izzo, I think it was last week, um, because I wrote a thing for the weekend on Julius Marble, making the case for him to be more of a primary five. Like, you know, 
in reality, the, the best solution is probably playing Hauser more at the five and playing Marble more at the five. In my book, that's that's mm-hmm. it. Like Marble's the closest thing you have to a center to kind of lean into, and Hauser is the most talented guy. And then, yeah, you know, spot work for Bingham and Kithier. Um, that is probably going to be how this thing plays out in the long run. But right now, you know, when I asked Dizzo about it last week, he's like, an X factor for us right now is to get Marcus Bingham going. So, like, they're going to keep playing him just to hope that you unlock something, a la, like, DJ yeah. Wilson as a junior, when suddenly he just turned into a thing in the middle of the year, and you're like, oh, yeah, this 6'11 dude with a yeah. 10-foot wingspan is pretty good, yeah. you know? So it works. Or, and and the other thing is he's just like, you know, and Thomas Kithier's kind of earned a spot because of his experience, and you can make that case in December to try to unlock a guy and to try to give the experienced guy kind of what he deserves, but that case doesn't exist anymore in February. And to your point, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably when you see things change. Um, right now, though, it's frustrating to watch them because of the bodies that they're yeah. kind of cycling through at, at the five. It's going to frustrate Michigan State fans when they see them struggle defensively, I feel like, mm-hmm. anytime. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what's happening here. So if they're, like, losing their mind, I would assume it's because they don't look – I mean, you don't – I mean, what? how many Northwestern score the other day? Oh, what was that score? It was preposterous. Like in the 80s? I don't even, Did they score in the 80s? I forget like, what the score was, but they scored They scored 1.24 points per possession. <laughs> like, it was that's got to be – It was the most the, points per yeah. possession allowed by Michigan State in 87 games. And it dated, it dated back to games. a game against Iowa. And, you know, I was just running and up I was, and down, just throwing right, up. You yeah. know, they probably took like 95 shot attempts in that game or something just stupid. Right. Um, so it's probably jarring to people, I assume. Yeah. Because that's yeah. just not a thing. Yeah. yeah. When like Pete Nance and Boo Booey are just out there getting buckets <laughs> against you, you're just going to get frustrated. So. <laughs> so I imagine they had a good, uh, a nice calm film session the next day. After oh, I had it. I'm sure been. that there wasn't a projector thrown through a plate glass window or something. <laughs> it would have been amazing. That's that would have been a great story. To, and I'm sure in like a month or two, when they're like locking teams down, right? Everyone will be oh. asking about what happened after that Northwestern game. That Northwestern game changed the season, didn't it? Like this narrative will unfold <laughs> that they found some there magic potion in that film session, and Izzo, you know, Izzo yeah. got to the so, root of it. And oh god, there I can I can do it right now. I can write these stories. Two guys, two uh, two guys punched each other in the in the uh, film session. Izzo punched a coach. You know, they went at it. And then when it was over, they were you know the next game they gave up twenty eight points and somebody held somebody to twenty percent shooting. Like, That's how it goes. It's like the time when uh, who was it? Payne and uh, Derek mm-hmm. Nix mm-hmm. punched each other out in the hotel room before the wherever the hell they were playing. They went out there and. <laughs> Punched each other out through a wall, I believe. In was that at Penn room. State? This is well before my that time sounds, out here. That sounds right. I, I just remember that story. And then the next night, Payne, one of them is out there with a black eye yeah. uh, on the court. And they both played well. So. And didn't Izzo like, make them both go out to the press conference? Like, oh, yeah. So go solo. Yeah. He, made him, he made them go stand next to him, I think. And like the thing that he does where they have to stand. And he sits down and they sit next to him all like, slumped over. As he's like, all right, you know, ask him whatever you want to ask him. These idiots. You know, that kind of thing. That was one of those, yeah. Amazing. Sure. All right, what's your next question? Uh, this is a good one from CT. Um, mm-hmm. You could give Juwan Howard, Tom Izzo, Mel Tucker, and Jim Harbaugh a Christmas present, one each. Hmm. What would you give them? 
Interesting. Interesting. I meant to give this so, a lot of thought because I saw it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah of course, that's I a good one. <laughs> so for, for Izzo, it, it appears maybe something to do with what we just talked about. An answer at one of these, you know, one of these, like Marcus Bingham to take off or an answer at the five or whatever it may be. I don't know if there's a better answer there. I mean, I would probably, uh, I would send him the gift of patience, man, because he's getting up there patience. in age. And, you know, if he's just <laughs> if he's just losing his shit all the time, that, you know, that could be detrimental in the long run. You yeah. know, he's still got that head of hair going. You know, you don't want him yeah. to lose that. He'd be a he'd be a weird looking bald guy. So uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd give him the gift of patience. What about uh, Juwan Howard there? Hmm. Uh, on the basketball court, I would give him uh, the gift of Franz Wagner hitting shots because that's not happening yet, and it's <laughs> getting a little concerning. Uh, Franz looks frustrated a lot out yeah. there. You can see it in the body English. You can see it um, just in the types of shots that he's taken here and there. Um, he wants, you can tell like he just wants it to be right. What it's supposed to be. And uh, he's struggling. So, you know, once, once you unlock him, maybe you unlock a lot of other things. Cause right now it's just throwing the ball to Hunter Dickinson, um, which is all well and good, but well, you're going to play the big 10 schedule. You need your dudes to be dudes, right? And they need Franz yeah. Wagner to get going and they need, uh, Isaiah Livers to be Isaiah Livers and all that stuff in terms of the long-term potential of that team. So um, in terms of what uh, a better gift I'd give him, though, I'd give him a park, a covered parking spot at Chrysler. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They make these guys park out in the open in Michigan. He drives a Ferrari to the office, which is hilarious. Do I know, Howard? I didn't oh, know that. Yeah. yeah, he drives a his Ferrari? He drives his cherry red Ferrari <laughs> in a couple times a week. So it'll be like if you go by the coach's cars <gasps> – You'll like, I know so, where they're at. You'll yeah, sometimes right. see, right? They all have these big ass SUVs, right? Like four. He's got a Ferrari. Shit. So it's like, you know, Martelli's SUV, Saudi's SUV, yeah. John Sanderson's car, a red Ferrari, and then like Howard Isley's car and whoever else and blah, blah, blah down, down the line. You're, and, and then, then you don't have a covered parking road. spot. Yeah. Imagine yeah, right parking a Ferrari not under a covered spot in Michigan in the winter. Well, I can't imagine owning a Ferrari in any scenario, so I don't know how that would go. But cover parking spot, that's probably a pretty good one. I think for uh, for Mel Tucker, um, I guess this would be for everyone, but I mean, a COVID vaccine that could put an end to this recruiting dead period mm. so he could go out and recruit people in person, I, that is like number one. The number one thing on there to do. I mean, you could say, you know, he needs a quarterback or offensive line or whatever, but like the number one thing for them is, you know, getting us through this pandemic to a point where he can go out and recruit. Like that's, he hasn't right. been able to do it once really. I mean, I think maybe a couple weeks there at the very beginning, but since then, you know, uh, the timing was just horrendous. And I think that that is probably number one thing. I mean, they've got to be able to go out on the road and, and grind and um, get in with people and, you know, make those relationships because this is the, this is the prime time for a first, for a first and second year coach, this, this right now, your first two classes, this is it. Like when you come into a job, and it's you're trying to turn the culture over, you're trying to turn everything over. Those first two main ones that you get, the first two full cycle classes, those those are the guys you're riding with. They have to be your best. You have to be able to 
bring players in that, like we talked about earlier, that can stir the pot, keep things moving, right. and also have some answers in some places where you don't have them right now. And, like, you have no chance, you know, if you fall behind and fans start to get pissed and people start to get angry and everything else and players start to question you, if you haven't been able to capitalize on those early recruiting windows. And that's the thing right now that's really sort of just sticking in their side and it's what's going to limit them because until he can go out and try to pull some rabbits out of the hat, and that's what it's going to take. He's going to have to go out and get some kids that are top 100 kids that are going to go elsewhere, and he's going to have to take them and convince them to go to Michigan State. Right. And you can't do that on Zoom. Like, you just can't with no prior relationship. So that would be the, the thing for him. Uh, for Harbaugh, it would be a quarterback. It would be, for the love of God, <laughs> you guys have got to find somebody who can be a not just a guy who can get you through the day without a disaster, but a guy who can who can be, you know, your best player. Yeah. They need a quarterback who can be their best player, the best player on the team. The guy that when everything is going to hell, at least we have that guy. And he can come out and help us and, and maybe save us. That's what they I mean, maybe it's JJ McCarthy, the kid they just signed, who's you know, five star pass. He's probably the best high school player at that position that Harbaugh has signed up. Probably he is. I mean, he's the most ready uh, incoming freshman quarterback they've had. Doesn't necessarily mean he is ready for it, but it would really help if <laughs> if he is or if he's ready faster. Because that's it. I mean, we talk about all these things and we make everything so complicated. But really, if you look all the way back to the start, they've never had a court. They've never been in a situation where their quarterback's their best player once. Mm-hmm. Um, Rudock was their best guy, probably, and. You know, was Jake their best player? Maybe by the end, you could argue he was up there, but you know, not not the guy that was going to change the game for you. Shea Patterson never really got there, even though he had a couple nights where it was it looked like maybe that was possible, but it never really. Rudock was at least a dude when you needed yeah. a first down on third and seven. He's getting it. Who, who yeah, could right. get them? Could make the pass yeah. right? And other guys, you just see they just airmail it, punt, lose the game, blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that just. <laughs> It's the level of perpetual. disgust in your voice when you said that was just like you're watching too much Carson Wentz, I think, at this point. But, um, the, uh, but no, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. There's no, 100%. there's no chance that they pull anyone from the portal at quarterback, right? Michigan. Um, well, I mean, you know, they they could lose guys. I mean, Joe Milton or no, who's to say that Milton mm-hmm. or McNamara don't want to leave? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what the. I don't know the situation right now with everybody dealing with their own stuff. And I mean, I, they, the only, but, but if those guys are back, then I would think that probably not uh, because you'd have two guys on your roster that have started games, two guys that now, you know, Milton will be a fourth year player, you know, if he's back, McNamara will be a third year player. um, I wouldn't bag it on Milton. I I wouldn't wouldn't bag it on either of those guys. And I think, like I've said the whole time, I've said since day one of this season, the first game they had when they had several weeks, or a couple weeks anyway, to get him ready, to get him, here's the game plan, here's what we're going to do against this opponent and this opponent only, he was awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry, he was. He, yeah. You can say whatever you want about, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. no, he was great that day. He mm-hmm. did everything they needed him to do. He made all the throws. He was super confident with his reads. He was great. Then he wasn't. Yeah. Right. Because he couldn't carry it over week to week. That's the that's the gap for Milton that he has to close. Uh, but no, I wouldn't throw the towel in on him. He's got all kinds of physical ability. I wouldn't do uh, McNamara. I think probably needs to get stronger. But I mean, he had some nice flashes too. I don't know. I would think that the only way the only way they would bring somebody in is if somebody left. But okay. I don't know that. 
because Harbaugh's done this before, where they went to the they went into December that year where it looked like it was going to be Brandon Peters and then McCaffrey and then they brought Shea Patterson in mm-hmm. and everything went upside down. So, mm-hmm. I, I you know it probably would depend on availability too. I, I don't know if anything could ever be ruled out, but um, yeah, that seems like the way to go to me. If you got one of those kids that people on your team believe in, don't bring in somebody else. I agree. To question that, let them get some faith behind one of those young guys—not young guys anymore, but one of the guys that you have on your roster, one of the mm-hmm. guys that you that they've worked with, that they've grown up with, that you know your your left guard and your right guard know him because they've spent time with him and you know all that stuff, you know. And that's—I feel like that's the only way this is going to work. They're not good enough to yeah, just. I feel like you some, can do it at any other position, yeah. but like you got—I think they got to stop with the shit at quarterback. Like, yeah, let it's got to be a homegrown type guy. I feel like at this point, a guy that the team is willing to grind for, and I think both. I think both Milton and McNamara can be that guy. I think they're respected players on the team, but you know you got to give them that opportunity to, to sort of figure it out one way or the other before you cut their legs out. I mean, yeah. this isn't the NFL, yeah. and I think that that's something that. And I don't know if Brandon Peters would have been the answer here. I'm not saying that. You know, maybe Shea was better than Brandon would have been, um, but like that's you know, that's the risk you're running is bringing somebody in, and not, not that Shea Patterson came in and was like an immediate like. We can't stand this guy. I don't think that was the case at all. Mm-hmm. I think he did his best to fit in, but I mean, it's you know, you're bringing in someone that no one knows, and you're putting them in, and they have to lead the team, and it's just it's tough. You know, it's tough. It's tough on all parties, including the quarterback that you're asking to do that. Right. So, um, from Greg, for me, he asks Masters or NCAA tournament. Oof. For you, he asks, what's the most intriguing football story for the 2021? For 2021 in the state of Michigan, um, so you can ponder that Ugh. for a second. And uh, <laughs> Masters or NCAA tournament? So I've only been to one Masters, and there was no fans there, so that was odd. Um, <laughs> and I've been to I don't know how long I've been doing this. Several Final Fours. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I feel like anyone who hears anything other than the masters is going to be like, that's so insulting to the masters because it's considered like the best sporting event in the world. But sorry, man. I mean, I love the NCAA tournament more than anything in the world. It's, it is the best. Like the, the thing I always tell people is like, I still, after going to how many ever final fours, right. When they finish the national anthem Mm. at the final four and you're in one of these domes with 75,000 people like every single time I get like head to toe goosebumps and have this like moment of like self-realization of just like what are you even doing here like how did this happen why am I sitting courtside at the final four right I think of like my 12 the 12 year old version of myself I have these just like very abstract moment every time because it just means you know so much and uh and now, yeah, at the Masters last year, I was standing at one point. I was standing kind of at Amen Corner, and there was no one there. And I was standing on a hillside that, like, normally would have like three thousand people packed into it. And I was mm. just standing there and just like watching Tiger Woods like hit into a green. And I'm like, "Well, this is weird," is, you know. This- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe I, I, I want to see Augusta with fans. I want to hear the roars. I want to hear all that stuff, but. It, it's going to be that's hard an impossible, for to that's ever, an impossible pick yeah. to ever be better than the NCAA tournament to me. What's your... I mean, I would say this. Is there another sporting event, and you could call it the Final Four or the tournament in general, is there another sporting event 
in general uh, that lives up every time. Mm-hmm. That that lives up and delivers every single right. time. I don't think so. Right. I don't know of a time. Is there a time in your life that you can look back and say that tournament sucked? Uh, I, I don't I mean, think so. <laughs> I think they've all been pretty darn good. Yeah, there's things That's that you would wish it had, it would have happened differently, yeah. right? You wish you wish sure, Gordon Hayward's shot went in yeah. against Duke, right? Would have well, been the right, greatest but shot like, ever. Whatever. Shit like that, it, it was but, yeah. still a moment. Yeah. Right, right. I just feel like it always holds up. The whole event. Not just the final. I mean, we've had we've had dud final fours before. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had some that just haven't lived up. But like you said, that moment right before everyone's gotten their heart broken. Right. You know, on Saturday night at five o'clock or right. whatever, when everyone's in there and it's like, okay. There's four left, and as crazy as this shit might sound, your team is like two bounces away from winning this whole thing. Now. All the stuff that right. happened prior to is doesn't matter. And, and the funniest is like the first right now. The first yeah. five minutes of every NCAA, of every Final Four game are usually just Chaos. awful yeah, because right. like both teams just can't even get within themselves like they're just completely freaking out and it's just amazing to watch but it's so good because like that chaos that chaos will go on for like 25 minutes and you'll look up and be like oh it's halftime and you know here we go or whatever but like Mm -hmm. that's i don't know i can't think of another thing in sports like that we go through each year that yeah is just a certain certainty that it's going to deliver it's going to be worth your time to engage in it in some way. Like, mm-hmm. that's what how I see the NCAA tournament. And that's the... I mean, we talked about this with football. That's what college football doesn't have. Yes. That's what a lot of sports don't have. They don't have an event or a something, you know, culmination or whatever, that is just like... Even the Masters, I would argue, is... I mean, it's a cool event, and if you've mm-hmm. never been there before, it's probably going to be a lifelong memory and everything else. But it's, it's been shitty Masters tournaments before. Yeah, for right? sure. And at the end of the day, it's also like, it's the venue... Not necessarily. Yeah, the it's play, the venue, right? right? And, and the people that have been there before. The NCAA tournament, you could put that shit, right? You could play it outside. Wherever. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah right. Like, you could play in a parking lot. It wouldn't matter. Like <laughs> they play them. They already they play most of the games at these like little towns that none of you have ever heard of mm-hmm. or ever been to, and that's how it goes. Like, Which is also just, part of the charm of it too. Like right. going to De- yeah. to Des Moines to cover or Tulsa. The first whatever. two yeah, right. rounds is phenomenal. It's great, yeah. you know, and like the whole town, yeah. everything stops. Anyone, people only care about the tournament, and you know, my, I would the, say my, that. this that's Montana good... State team that's coming in here. Like, let's learn about Montana State. You know, this is awesome. Yeah. If you have never been to a first and second round weekend, whether you have a dog in the fight or not, Mm -hmm. and just gone and spent the time there and you're a real college bet, I mean, that's, you need to do that. For sure. Because being in a place like that, where there's that much going on, and the city's alive, even if it's a small town or whatever else. No, the small towns are better. Yeah. Way better. Usually better. Yeah. They don't get, the tournament doesn't get lost. It's the biggest thing that they have. You know, those are really neat. Those yeah, are like, those those Birmingham, Alabama is about to be lit, and I'm getting down yeah. there, right? <laughs> Wich- Wichita is about to have some. You know, yeah, right, exactly. So, those are it. Always delivers. I'll say yep. that. All right. Uh, what was your answer? Best storyline in football in 2001 in the state. Best storyline? Oh my god. Well, the Lions are going to have a new coach and GM. We mm-hmm. don't know what's going to mm-hmm. happen with Matthew Stafford. Um, I would say that's probably toward the top of the list, and then. The, I don't know if it's best, but the one that's going to intrigue the most is what we talked about to, t- to start this thing. Um, what's going to have to happen so that we're not sitting here talking about whether or not Michigan's going to fire Jim Harbaugh this time next year. And yeah. I think that that's probably the uh, the one that most are interested in, even though, you know, I think 
most also know that it's going to take a pretty Herculean effort for him to, uh, you know, turn this thing around in short order. So right. we'll see how it goes. All right. Um, from at Lindsay AL 88, any idea how the teams feel about playing on Christmas day? And what are your mm-hmm. plans for the day? Considering both of your teams you cover are playing tis the damn season. Uh, well said. <laughs> well said. Um, <laughs> First of all, so I will be – I'm doing both games from home. Michigan yeah. State is home against Wisconsin in the afternoon, and then Michigan is at Nebraska. I think that game's at like 6 or something. Um, so I'm opting not to make the two-hour round-trip drive to Lansing. I will just watch both Good games call. from home because there's no point in being there, and it's awful. Um <laughs> you know, for those curious how this goes, like, you know, typically at Michigan State, especially we sit baseline and like you can gain a lot from sitting there. You can hear guys, you can hear the coaches, you can see things differently and blah, blah, blah. Well, right now, because of the circumstances, we sit up top at kind of that like club suite level. So yeah. we're basically as we sit like where the TV cameras are. You can't really hear anything. You don't really see anything different. Um and then the game ends and we stay in our seats and then they fire up a Zoom call and plop down, you know, a couple players and Izzo. And that's it. So, it's not a lot, yeah. you know, most games I'm still going to physically go to at in Ann Arbor and East Lansing. Um, but there's really no reason to be there other than a few things that you can see off to the side of the court. Um, I'm more, frankly, to be honest, like... I'm more going to some of these games because, like, the fact that they're just allowing the fact that they allow media in, I feel kind of That's obligated to do it, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, right. But there's really nothing gained by being there. No, if they have a seat for me, that's usually been exactly my, like that's you know if you I, can get me in there, I'll go. I, exactly, yeah. I feel obligated, right? They're making the effort to make sure that we can get in there, so I'm going to make sure that I can that I do so. Right. Um, but it sucks. So yeah, no, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. It's rough. I mean, it's we've had, we've got that question a lot this year about yeah. what's it been like, and we got that actually. Chris and I got that in the chat about the Lions <clears throat> yesterday, and we've had to you know we get on these Zoom calls. We have a ton of access in the NFL, mm-hmm. but like we're used to being in the locker room, and you right. guys at Michigan State, it's the same thing, right? And so you're asking guys on a Zoom like, what's it like, and what's what's the vibe in the locker room on this, and mm-hmm. it's tough, you know. Yeah, Michigan State, we get locker room access, and at Michigan, um, you know, we don't, but they'll bring out four players after a game. And usually, yeah, so, you know, right. I'm, I'm kind of like a little shady son of a bitch. I'll go, like, follow some guy back into a hallway and try to, like, sneak a one-on-one here and there and get, you know, the stuff that I try to get. Right. And it usually works out, right? Now, you know, we're just on the other yeah. side of the fence, basically. We're, yeah. We have the same perspective right. fans really have. And now there's stuff we can do on the phones to make sure that, you know, I can talk mm-hmm. to coaches and stuff on the side you know, day after games and stuff and kind of pick their brains and get an idea as a, you know, the beat writer, right. To have an understanding of what's going on in these programs, but that's it. Yeah. It's all we get. It's terrible. Yeah. So, but yeah, you it's know, not good. <laughs> that's the way it is right now. So, you know, it'll go back to normal at some point, hopefully. And we'll try to do the job the way that we're supposed to do it. But right now kind of this, the situation, do these guys play about care about playing on Christmas? Um, I think a lot of guys are missing their families. <laughs> I think some guys are having real difficulty with that. Isaiah Livers, you know, he wasn't making that up when he said, no, we're not exactly thrilled about playing on Christmas. I think that's real. Um, But I also think most of these guys have come to the um, conclusion of there's two options. 
and it's play or not play. And at the end of the day, they're basketball players, so they want to play basketball games. But I don't think anyone's really happy with the circumstances right now. And, no, you know, the no. coaching staffs are legitimately worried about guys' mental aspects. And that's not hot air. Um, right. But, you know, these guys are living in their own little bubbles. And, you know, your normal outlets aren't there. You know, you can't. No, you can't. There's nothing on campus stuff. even. Right. There's nothing. There's nothing no, going no, there's on. over here. Right. So. They're the only ones here. Right. That's the that's the deal. And it's the whole thing that we've talked about since day one of this. Um, if you're going to ask them to do this mm-hmm. without compensation, mm-hmm. don't get upset when they call you out on it. Yeah. And I think that that's what we're seeing in some of the, Like Isaiah said that. Yeah. And it was like, you know, we're not getting paid. <laughs> what did he say? I don't know what his exact quote was. But yeah. it was on the money, whatever he said. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what he, exactly he said, but it made sense to me. And that's... Yeah, I mean, there's nobody on campus. There's nothing else going on. They've told all the other students, get out of here mm-hmm. for your own health and safety, basically. And the only ones that are still supposed to be here are these athletes. And right. in this case, I, I assume just men's and women's basketball, right? Or maybe hockey. I don't, yeah. I don't know if there's anybody else. And at the end of the day, um, the reason they're playing on Christmas is because all these schools TV. know they weren't going to let these kids go home at Christmas oh, sure. break. Yeah. because So you can't go home for Christmas break. And see your families. So you're basically. You're here anyway. You're tethered to (laughs) campus. So well, if we're not going to let you go home, we might as well have you play a game. And if we're going to have you play a game, we might as well try to get some TV ratings. We might well put it on Christmas. Right. Let them focus on that instead of the fact that it's Christmas and they can't go home. You know, where does that fall ethically? I I have no idea because at one hand, yes, people want to play. And if you want to play, you can't go home because if you go home, who knows what you bring back? Right. right, and these guys want to play. A lot of these guys have professional aspirations, and if you can't play, how are you able to fulfill your professional aspirations? Should you be paid? Probably. How does that yes. look? Who knows? Like, it's all. Anyone that asks, like, it's just like, oh, just cancel the season. This is ridiculous. It's like, does anyone really want that though? I don't no. know. Like, is and yeah. is it right for them to play? I also don't know. Um, it's a shit show, man. It's really <laughs> shitty. Like yeah. the the. I talk about this all the time, like the cognitive dissonance that it takes to like follow this and watch these games and write these stories and actually write them out like Michigan State's defense sucks. Is right. that important so, right now? I don't probably not. <laughs> yeah. It has been brutal this year. I'll say that um, because I'm at the end of a season more or less yeah. as you're basically getting started. Uh, when we first got going here in like August, um, in the, in the first game I covered – post-pandemic or whatever, uh, was a Lions game. So it's an NFL game. And I remember thinking, like, how long are fans going to go? Because the run-up to the season was all positive from people. They were just like, oh, I can't believe they're going to give it a shot. That's great. That'll yeah, be yeah, fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. I, haven't had to, I haven't got to watch anything in seven months or whatever. And I remember thinking, like, how long are people going to go before they, real, before they for, you know, forget caring about all the things these guys have had to go through to get this game on the field and right into, like, these guys suck. Or mm-hmm. whatever. And with the Lions, it was like two quarters. <laughs> so it was like, okay, well, that's how the NFL is going to be viewed. But I was interested to see how it would go with college. And I got to tell you, it didn't last long before we started getting the same old, like, this guy sucks, this guy's crap, this guy's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, I, I don't think you, you guys understand 
what these kids, young adults, young men, what young women, whatever, what they're going through every day, to and the coaches too, really, but the kids especially, and I'll call them kids because yeah. they're college students, you know, um, what they're going through every single day to even practice or to go and do a weight session or whatever, right? And you just said it; they're they're working on their chosen, you know, craft mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, future career basically. And the stuff they have to go through just to get out there is pretty crazy. And I saw something from one of these coaches. I can't remember who it was, but it was like it was a former player who was an assistant somewhere. It might have been Ohio State. And he was like, you know, to all of you guys out there who are coming up with this. And he just tweeted this. He's like, to everybody out there who comes up, all the former players who come up with the back in my day, it wasn't. He was like, you can just stop that right there. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There is no back in your day with this one. Yeah. And that has been something that I've tried to keep at top of mind throughout this whole thing because all of these things, every time we see a player just go collapse and just not collapse, but like, you know, his, his game just falls apart on him, it, you know, in college especially. You watch that and you're just like, in a normal setting, maybe you'd, you'd react a little bit differently. But mm-hmm. in this setting, it's like, all you do is feel bad for the kid because, yeah. like, I mean, you're, you're going through all this horrible stuff to just to get out there and have a chance to do this. And if it doesn't go, you know, I mean, it's just, like you said, the mental the mental health part of it has been such a big thing. And if you're, you're, if you're seeing a team that is going through this year and having success, it's probably because of two reasons. They probably have good players and good coaches, but also they've probably done a really nice job of, as best you can anyway, of making sure that those kids are staying you know, helping them with that that mental part of it as best they can because it's just been unlike anything anyone's ever seen. I mean, that's just right. the reality of it. From at Two Hearted Loon. First of all, this is a monster podcast right now. Are we just going to keep going here? Uh, we can. I'm we can wrap it up shit. soon if you want. Yeah. What's what's a story you'd like to tell? Maybe one that an editor won't sign off on or you don't think would go over well, etc. Um, I have one that I've always wanted. To, I'll, I'll, I can answer this while you think of one. Um right. You probably remember this. Back in the day, I uh, I proposed to M Live to go up to the UP oh, during yeah. basketball season and write about the what's it three or four Division two programs up there and go to a game at each and write one story about college basketball in the UP, like in the dead ass of winter. And yeah. uh, it was approved yeah. by our wonderful old boss, Josh Slagger. He loved the idea, and we were going to do it. And Mike Mulholland and I were going to go up there. He was going to, you know, he was going to shoot it, and I was going to write about it, and kind of do this this whole piece, you know, going to Michigan Tech and what's it like Lake Superior and all those places, mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. And it got close to time to make the trip, and I called up one of the schools. And was just like bullshitting about like setting it up. And then I asked like, so you know, what's it like up there right now? What's the weather? I just assumed there's four feet of snow oh, on the God. floor, right? And everyone's like on dog sleds or something. This is my vision of the UP. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, I asked, you know, so what's it like out there? And they're like, oh, it's amazing. You know, it's the most, mi- most mild winter we've ever had. We guys are walking around in T-shirts and uh, there's no snow on the ground and all this. And this was like a week out from the trip. And God, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't that doesn't work. Yeah. It just blew the whole story up. So we just canceled yeah. it because um, you know the whole hook is they're playing in right. these ridiculous conditions, and <laughs> there was no right. conditions. So we bagged it. Maybe one day I'll do it, but uh, 
Yeah, that was such a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had anything that like an, that an editor would have said no to, but there's been a lot of things, I guess, timing just never worked. Mm-hmm. There's been several times where you write something on someone and then... It just happened to you. It just happened this week, actually. And then, you know, <laughs> something changes and then it's like, well, okay, forget that. Yeah. So that happens a lot. And that's not really anything that anyone has control over. Um, I don't know if there is one thing that like, God, I need to do that. Um, maybe there should be. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah. that's a problem, right? But uh, I don't know. I don't know if there is one one thing. I mean, I think we get, especially here, well, before the pandemic, I mean, we can kind of do whatever we want to do. It's just a, sometimes right. it's a matter of, like you said, it's those things have got to click. There's been, I can't even tell you. I mean, it's like probably once a week over the last however many years where you have a really good idea for something, and but something has to happen for that idea to make any sense for you to do it, and that thing doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's our job. Our job is, you know, people talk a lot about change, right? Like, uh, you know, can you handle change in this job? Are you good enough? You can't have this job unless you're comfortable with change. Like we deal with change more than most people, I would think, unless you're like a medical professional. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of our job, right? But it's not necessarily. Uh, you know, wondering if change is going to happen. It's always just like, we know it's going to happen. <laughs> we just don't know when it's going to happen. And so a lot of times that's the tricky part about this is trying mm-hmm. to thread the needle on things that you have. You only have a small window, right? Where you have a right. good idea, but it's like, if, shit, if I run this two days later, it's not going to matter. Right. Or it's not going to work. God, right. there's so many. I can't even think of, there's thousands of things yeah. in your head that are just like, yeah. to fit it into the right window at the right time, at the right place. You know, when you can actually do that, like, I mean, I know you've had several instances of that where, you know, you, you sit on a story and you got it ready and a guy has the moment of his life mm-hmm. and you're ready for it. Yes. Like, that's awesome. The best. But like, when it does happen and you're not ready for it, you're like, I'm terrible. Uh, this is horrible. Like, what's going on? You know, and you're, and so those things happen a lot. The, uh, like a little bit of like how the sausage gets made, right? So, um, the Malik Hall story that ran last week. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, I, I sat down with his mother last February for that right. and had this gut-wrenching conversation. This interview was 90 minutes. It was in a hotel. She's crying. I was crying. Like, it was just the most intense, one of the most intense interviews I've mm-hmm. ever had. Her just kind of spilling the guts of what it's been like to, you know, lose your best friend and have to care for your husband and just all this just, holy yep. shit, hard stuff. And after talking to her, you know, a week later or so, I sat down with Malik and we had an hour 90 minute conversation about him and his father and him trying to remember who he was and all this stuff and it was you know super intense and getting ready to write this i was going to write the story for the ncaa tournament and yeah right um then the pandemic hits right and now there's no reason to run this just gut-wrenching story about this family and what they've gone to because like where what does it live and it won't won't get the attention it deserves these people have basically you know, crack themselves open, tell their story, and now you're just going to drop it in the middle of a pandemic when no one's paying attention? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So now right. I'm sitting there and I am have hours of interviews and I'm just going to just have to sit and wait. Mm-hmm. And, you know, reconvened with Julie and Malik um, last month and, you know, talked to Julie for another hour, talked to Malik for another 45 minutes, whatever, and rewrote the story and you know we dropped it last week and it's just kind of one of those you never know you don't know what's going to happen with some of these things no that's the hardest thing is finding the uh window Mm -hmm. it's finding the moment um 
and making sure that you have what you need, right? That you're ready, and uh, that's uh, that's pretty. That's a thing that uh, that they don't tell you about as much. They tell you <laughs> they tell you not to fall in love with your sources in uh, journalism yes. school. I can confirm that one. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, that finding the right window because that's the deal. I mean, we deal. We just this job is constant change, and it's not a matter of if; it's always a matter of when, and you just you never know, and it's. One thing happens here, and the whole thing goes to mm-hmm. hell. That's the stress of <laughs> doing some of that stuff. You know, is, um, who am I talking to here? You know what I'm talking about. So oh yeah, it's uh, that's a big one. From at Kevin Lou MD PhD. Can you imagine that a doctor listens to this idiocy? That's alarming. Is he a real doctor, Kevin? Or are you a real looks, doctor? Or looks are you like just saying it. that. Okay, good. He has like a professional headshot. Says PhD. Perfect. He works at UMich Medicine. I mean, that's insane. Oh, all right. There you go. Um, well, good luck to you, Kevin, and everything. Yeah, that I'm appreciate sure you everything you're dealing with. Uh, let me get some of that vaccine on the side, yeah. So, <laughs> give us a call. <laughs> send some over. Uh, which Big Ten schools have your favorite slash least favorite beat reporters? No, Kevin, come on. <laughs> the answer, you know I can't answer this is question. obviously Michigan State for least favorite, right? You got the least favorite. Solari's oh, freaking out, right? Graham's an ass. So uh, Charbonneau is a just miserable you, son of a bitch. Oh, Kyle, on. Kyle's too nice, right? Yeah, probably. I'm kidding. Yeah. I love all those guys. We all have a great relationship. They're all great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like the problem honestly, with this is, I like all the beat writers. The problem, though, for I think uh, you yeah. you have the same sentiment is the dudes that we love all are got too old and had to retire. And there's like, <laughs> yeah, well, there's these just goes, great yeah. characters, like these old newspaper columnists that are like the types yeah. of dudes that you and I grew up reading. Who oh, are just uh, like, yeah, they're not around They're anymore, just yeah. hilarious characters. You're Bob Baptist, like guys like that, right? Lee in Nebraska. Lee, like, how, like, I just, that's all I thought about in August <laughs> when Nebraska was going through all of its mess. Like, why can't the Omaha World Herald? Call Lee and be like, can you get off the couch, Lee, for one month and write a bunch of stuff that is going to just stir this thing right to hell? Because that's, yeah, I mean, those are the, the old those newspaper are the people that we grew up watching. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, like that's, sure. you know, they just have a like disposition didn't because they didn't, they didn't grow up, they, they didn't come up with Twitter, they didn't no. come up with anything, you know. Like, I'll tell you this one. Lee, right, Barfneck, he, <laughs> he covered Nebraska forever and he's one of the greatest, like, you know, local college sports writers Probably ever, mm-hmm. right? I think we can say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in, you know, uh, for what he was asked to do in his job. I, the first time I think I ever met him or we was around him, I was in Lincoln for an, a basketball game and Doc Sadler was the coach. Yeah. It was this last year. And it was when they were still in that old junkie gym. And Michigan like ran him off the court and it was bad. And we get into the post game and like <laughs> Lee just sits down like right in front of him and goes, well, and he's just like more, I mean, he, he does it, did it with tact. It's only he kind of could. He was like, well, you're pretty much done here, right? Like this team is quit on, you know, like that's what it was. I mean, it was like something like that. And Doc Sadler's just, and that was the best part because Sadler kind of looked at him and was like, probably, you know, like, probably so. like that was how it went. And it was just like this, those days are gone. Yes. Like when you can sit in a room like that with only like 12 people and have those types of conversations. And that was the, world that guys like you know lee and mick and these guys Mm -hmm. navigated forever and you know yeah bob baptist you know those guys i mean and they're not around anymore well they are but you know they're not working anymore so yeah that's uh yeah those are the ones we watched 
as younger people for sure. Yeah, I want to emphasize the fact that I was kidding about the Michigan State beat. By the way, I do. Yeah, no, 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 they're all great. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say I don't like any. I mean, I like everybody for the most part. If you're if you're working hard and you're trying to stay, you know, unless you're trying to pull a bunch of nonsense, you know, for the mo- which that happens, but that's not one school. Yeah, I mean, if you're only there to to stir up a a one line quote so that you can put it into a tweet or in a little video clip and get yourself a bunch of retweets, you can piss off. I really have no time for you. And there is yeah. some of that out there right. on all beats and in all sports and across the board. It's just the world we live in. But no, man. I mean, I, I feel like real beat writers, like you know, people that are traveling and have to be there every day and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, the vast majority of people who want to work hard are happy to have their jobs and yeah. they're people just like everyone else. I know they get shit on. Watching games. Everyone in the media gets shit on more than ever right now, right. and that's totally fine, whatever. But um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, it's what, not going to stop it. It's what we sign up for, it. you know? <laughs> like, you don't get to complain when you know what you're getting into, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I would I like know. to hear it's, that question I, I from other say, I will say this. I will say this. It's Michigan different. Beat. <laughs> it's different in different parts of the country. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, you know that, like uh, teams are covered differently in different parts of the country. I yeah. think that's definitely a thing. Um, you know, I, I think about how teams are covered in the SEC. Oh, baby. Compared to how teams are covered up here. I mean, it's very different. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's very different. Let, let's be honest. Florida, just Dan Mullen just got a show cause yesterday, <laughs> apparently, and no one knew <laughs> or no one reported it. Right. Where'd that come from? <laughs> You th- how long do you th- how long do you think it would have lasted before we if Jim Harbaugh got a show cause? How long do you think we would uh, seven seconds or maybe seven minutes before we would report that thing before you know what I'm saying? Oh like, my god! Before yeah, uh, that was mind blowing. Yeah, and I'm not trying to like call anyone out. I'm just saying it's just like just a different just a different world. Mm-hmm. We we talk about like Will Wade being on a being on a wire. What if like Izzo was on a wire? <laughs> Can you? I mean, we would have to stop traffic up here. There'd be news copters flying up over the stadium yeah. or this arena, and down there it was like whatever. He's back at work, you know. They're they're making a run at the tournament. No one cared. Right. It's just it's the audience, that and it's really it, it, it's it, the audience exactly because yeah. like you know I'm sure whoever was at the advocate or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they were trying. Is, to is sure. you know, foying the shit out of Will Wade and trying to work their ass off and all that stuff. And then writing these things and people are just like, we don't have time for what you're saying, sir. Yeah. Get the hell care. out of here with this. <laughs> right. Go we win some care. ball games. Go Tigers. Right. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's different. It's a different world. I will say that. That's uh, definitely true. And if you've covered, if you've worked in one place for a long, long time and go to the other, mm-hmm. I think it's probably a pretty big shock. <laughs> Like, if you're not familiar with both, you know for what I sure. mean? For sure. Yeah. But then so. there's some places that, like, you know, are kind of just their own animal. You know, I'm sure Texas is its own animal. And I'm sure, oh, you know, God. like I Tennessee even, yeah. was just crazy being down there. I Michigan mean, is its own. Was wild. There's, no, there's no other place like Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan's its own entity with football. It's. They yeah, there's there's few places that if that a. Nobody else has. There are a few places that if a quarterback gets knocked out of a game and plays with a concussion. That CNN is going to be rolling into campus, yeah. and like that's what happened. Like the Shane Morris it, thing, it, the Shane Morris thing here. just underlined <laughs> how insane uh, just Michigan is, and I, like that's a fact, man. Like there's there are maybe four, five, six programs in the country that if yeah. something like that happened, it would have turned into what that did. Now it also yeah. couldn't have been more bungled. 
by Michigan. Well, sure, they didn't help <laughs> which, it, which yeah, exasperated I mean, everything. Yeah, but uh, I mean, from like a PR standpoint, I mean that was just a hilarious debacle. Um, not hilarious, I should say. That. Wasn't hilarious, but it was something. Um, <laughs> it was something. Uh, but yeah, there are not places that that would have turned into, like you said. You know, seeing oh, helicopters rolling where, into yeah. town. Would have been nothing. nothing. It would have been moving on. Right. We would. You wouldn't even have known about it. Yeah. The, 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 the coach would catch a ration of shit. It'd be a twenty-four hour story and whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was this question anyway about who are who your favorite beat writer? Least and fa- fa- least favorite and least. Yeah. Well, I'm not telling you who the least is. I don't have a least favorite. How's that? Maybe myself sometimes. I don't know. You never know. But uh, do you have anything you have to read? Do you have any questions that you needed to get to? I don't even, no, I think we're good. I'm sure we missed hour, four, hour 45. This is the yeah. Jumbo Holiday episode. So uh, there you go. We hope everyone here's your present, this, everyone. Stuff this in your stocking, you sons of bitches. How do you like that? <laughs> uh. <laughs> in your in your e stocking. Yes, you yes. Um, well, we appreciate anyone who actually hung in for all hour and 45 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> um, we do appreciate it if you'd be so kind. Mike's to, back, even for crying out loud, he made it out and back. Yeah, he had a meeting in the middle of this entire yeah. thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> We encourage everyone to subscribe to The Athletic. We encourage anyone, again, there's no chance you're getting a gift for anyone in time right now. It's December 23rd. The mail is backed up. I'm like, (laughs) you can't get mail anymore, so that's just done. Um, So if you have anyone left on your uh, gift list, get them The Athletic. It's the perfect gift. Everyone loves it who gets it. So uh, go with that and leave us a review in the iTunes store. And uh, I guess that's it. Before we get out of here, this is a holiday edition. We should say a very special thank you to, you just mentioned him, the guy who's behind the scenes of this yeah. show week in and week out, regardless of if I'm on, regardless of if it's Colton or the only, the only stabilizing factor on this show <laughs> is Mike Zimmerman, our, our producer, who is uh, not only a great guy, but also a... Uh, a someone who like wants this show to be really good right and he thinks about it a lot and tries to keep us in line and uh and we appreciate everything you do mike got a lot so, of shows too a lot of shows got a lot of shows a lot yeah. of shows so uh we appreciate everything you do and to all of our readers and listeners out there we wish you the best of holiday seasons to you and yours and health in mind and body and all that good stuff so that's it for this episode, it might be it for... Well, we might get one more in before the turn of the calendar, but... We will um, see. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, and uh, be sure to tip your bartenders and servers. I seen hot towns all my day.